even though it's a risk and I don't know what's on the other side, I'm going to make a bet on myself. I guess I'm kind of looking at this as a sort of rebirth opportunity. I just quit my job and flew to Scotland with no money or plans or friends. This is day one of me exercising every day. I've really gone and done it now. It's a bonus farm. Turned in my two-week notice. I just took the leap. Yeah, I'm really liking how my hair's been going. I feel like we're on the verge of a renaissance. They say to do what you love, and I love to dance. Oh my God! I'm proud of you! I can't imagine a more beautiful thing. Have you any fun yet? Carnival is back. Rio is back. This is dedicated to the disabled community. This is our moment. I wanted other women and other people of color to know it is possible. was me in the media. She's black. Change has become a constant. The way we embrace it defines our future. I've never seen this kind of courage. They're fighting with all they have. The word freedom right now means a lot for us. This could be the beginning of a new era. You know, I, I call it evolution. This is what believing looks like. And don't you ever, ever give up on you. Happy New Year, Prodigal Church. Twas the week after Christmas and all through the house, nothing would fit me, not even a blouse. The cookies I'd nibbled, the fudge I did taste, all the holiday parties had gone to my waist. When I got on the scales, there arose such a number. When I walked to the store, less a walk than a lumber. The pies and the cakes, the bread and the cheese, in the way I never said, no thank you, please. So away with the last of the sour cream dip, get rid of the fruitcake, every cracker and chip. Every last bit of food that I like must be banished till all the additional ounces have vanished. I won't have hot biscuits or cornbread or pie. I'll munch on a carrot and quietly cry. I'm hungry, I'm lonesome, and life is a bore, but isn't that what January is for? Unable to giggle, no longer a riot. Happy New Year to all, and to all, a good diet. We make resolutions this time of year so willy-nilly. Okay? Studies show that over half of them are broken just by the end of this month, January. And over 90% don't make it till the end of the year. Uh, next week, we are back to in-person services at Bullard High School, and we're going to be starting a brand new three-week series called Start Fresh. And we're excited to get this year off and running together. Uh, it's going to be a great series. We hope to see you next week at 10 a.m. I recently heard a touching story that illustrates the power of words, the way that they can change someone's life, that you yourself on this couch, on your, your car seat, um, on, on a walk or a run, you have the power to change lives with your words. See, there's the story of a little girl named Mary. And this is back in the 1950s. And Mary, she was born with a cleft palate. She was different than all the other kids. And she had to bear the jokes and the cruel stares of children on the playground every day. Not just because of her misshaped lip, but because of her crooked nose and her garbled speech. With all the teasing, Mary grew up just hating the fact that she was different. 
She was convinced that no one outside of her family could ever really love her until she entered Miss Leonard's class. Miss Leonard had this warm smile, this round face, shiny brown hair. Everyone in the class loved her. And Mary also loved her. And this was, uh, again, a long time ago in the 1950s, it was common for teachers to give children their annual hearing test. I remember as a kid putting on headphones and having to hear those beeps. Okay, this was before that time. And in this time, uh, the children would walk through the door, they would plug one ear, and the teacher would whisper something to the to the student, and the student would then have to repeat what the teacher says. In addition to uh, having the cleft palate, uh, Mary could also barely hear out of one ear. Determined to not let the other children have one more thing to make fun of her about, she would cheat on the hearing test every year. And the whisper test was given, and uh, Mary turned her bad ear towards the teacher. She pretended to cover her good ear. And often a teacher would say, the sky is blue, or what color are your shoes? But not on that day. Surely God put seven words in Mrs. Leonard's mouth that changed Mary's life forever. When the whisper test came, Mary heard the words, I wish you were my little girl. Mary smiled bigger than she ever had. It changed her life. Our words matter, every one of them. They have this incredible power, this incredible potential to speak life. And they have the incredible power and potential to harm. And so on New Year's Day, 2023, could we go on a diet? Sure. Could we start exercising more often? Yes. Could we put more emphasis on our spiritual life? Certainly. But this year, could we be intentional about our words? Could we use them to build up rather than tear down? Could we use them to encourage rather than insult? Could we use them to spew words of love rather than hate? Could 2023 be the year where even our whispers change lives? How do we do this? We look to Jesus. Let's turn to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Here, Jesus addresses three things, lying, swearing, and character, okay? And with only a quick glance of our passage, uh, we might miss the core message that Jesus has for us today. Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. What is going on here? Jesus is addressing a problem within first century Judaism. Swearing by oaths is similar to contracts nowadays, okay? It was how everything got done. And oaths were actually encouraged within the Hebrew scriptures. Deuteronomy 10.20, You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. Oaths were meant to increase the cause of truth in the ancient world. But by the time of Christ, things get all messed up. 
and people were using oaths not to tell the truth, but to deceive. You see, in first century Israel, the Pharisees had developed elaborate rules governing when a man was bound by his word and when he was not. So if I swear by Jerusalem, I'm bound by those words. But if I swear towards Jerusalem, I'm not bound. Any promise I make in God's name, that binds me. But if I can avoid using God's name, if I could use words that, that sound something, like it might mean something, well, then I'm not bound. Well, I only swore by the altar. I didn't swear by the gift at the altar. Okay, so it wasn't binding. There's this extensive debate in the Jewish Mishnah. Is it by or for or upon Jerusalem? Now, you might be thinking, this is bizarre, okay? What kind of primitive thinking is this? What does this have to do with me and the new year? Okay, we would never do something so ridiculous. But we do. Let me show you. Haven't we heard, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye? Okay, that's pretty dark. Or if I'm lying, I'm dying. Or may lightning strike me if I'm not telling the truth. Or as God is my witness. We do this all the time, okay? I swear to you, I'm telling the truth. Okay, I swear to God, I'm telling the truth. You don't believe me? I swear to God with my hand on a Bible that I'm telling you the truth. You don't believe me? I swear to God on a stack of Bibles with one foot on my grandmother's grave, I am telling you the truth. You don't believe me? I swear to God on a bookshelf of Bibles, one foot on my mother's grave, the other on the American flag and under the Statue of Liberty with a bald eagle perched on my shoulder that I am not telling the truth and I double dare you to think otherwise. I pinky swear it. You found out I was lying? Well, I had my fingers crossed. Okay. This is what's happening in Matthew chapter five and Jesus calls it absurd. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Okay, there is a proper way for us to use our words in relationships. Now, we're all guilty of this, okay? Have you ever said kind of nonchalantly, like, I swear to God, this is true. Why did you feel the need to bring God into it? Sometimes the reason we add words is because we are aptly aware of our own lack of credibility and our own shortcomings. So we try bringing in other things to bolster our believability. The Jewish historian Josephus, writing in the first century, the time of Christ, he said this, that the Essenes say, the one who is not believed without an appeal to God stands condemned already. What's this mean? Well, if you've got to drag God into it, there is already something lacking there. And so this oath system became a bunch of rules that said when it was okay to lie and when it wasn't. So instead of strengthening the cause of truths, like oaths were intended to do, they weakened it. No, Jesus says no. Everything we say is just as solemn as if we had said, God strike me down if this were not true before we said it. The fact that we swore an oath should never be what makes what we say truthful. The fact that we're Christians, that we love Jesus should. As Christians, we hear all the time that we need to be people of the word. But a part of that, is being people of our word. See, as followers of Jesus, we can do terrible damage to our witness and even to the cause of Christ when we are not people of our word. Have you noticed this to be true? Dave and Tom lived in the same town. 
Dave attends church every Sunday. Tom has not been to church in 30 years. Dave reads his Bible every day. Tom doesn't own a Bible. David usually listens to local Christian radio stations. Tom doesn't know a single hymn. Dave picked up some material at the hardware store and told the local owner that he would pay for it within a month. Tom owns the local hardware store. Three months have passed and the bill has not been paid. Dave invited Tom to church last Sunday. Tom stayed home and watched TV. We're not fooling anyone when our actions don't line up with our words and we're certainly not fooling God. Part of what Jesus is saying in this passage is, we don't need to swear to God in order to bear witness to what we say because God always bears witness to what we say. We're always telling a story with everything that we say and everything that we do. Our lives tell a story. What kind of story do your words tell? What kind of story does your life tell? Do they line up? Ephesians 6, I love this. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I love that verse. We use our words to proclaim the gospel, the good news, not good to-dos, okay? It's good news. Evangelism, that's what it means. It means, it means good news, euangelion in Greek. I have a, I got a love-hate relationship with evangelism, okay? If I'm in a relationship with evangelism, it's complicated, okay? And the tension for me comes from seeing it done so poorly and so often by well-meaning people, okay? They memorize a sales pitch. They find unsuspecting strangers and they make the strangers feel weird and uncomfortable, all the while saying they're trying to help their neighbor, but in reality, they're kind of just helping themselves. They're adding a notch to their own spiritual belt. Has, it, has this been you? Has this happened to you? Does this make you want to share your faith more or less? Okay, here's an example of bad evangelism. Okay, you go up to someone and you've got the letters CH, blank, blank, CH. And you say, what's missing? And you say, you are. Do you want to come to church with me on Sunday? Okay, C-H-U-R-C-H. Okay, some of you are writing that down. You're like, that's a good one. No, it isn't, okay? Now, I am more convinced than ever that Jesus loves everyone, that he is the answer that we are all looking for, but I'm also just as convinced that Jesus isn't a sales pitch. Jake Lohr said this, that when you openly admit you are a Christian, you're saying to the world that you are imperfect and flawed, not the one saving, but the one being saved. The best evangelism is your life, giving it fully to Jesus. Years ago, I was driving to the bank and I was blaring some good tunes. Okay, I don't remember the song exactly, but it was a good one. It was something like, Here I Go Again by Whitesnake, okay? That just that 80s rock out song. The windows were down, I was feeling it. Okay, my hair was blowing in the wind. Okay, I had hair back then. And as the song is ending, I'm pulling up to the bank and while parking, somebody calls me, okay? So I answer the phone and I'm getting out of the car and I leave the car running and I'm just on the phone and as I'm walking up to the ATM, I see an old rugby guy, 
okay? So I say to the guy on the phone, hey, uh, let me call you right back. Uh, I ran into somebody, I hang on the phone, I give my rugby buddy a, a hug, and we start shooting the breeze and stuff, and he's like, just got back from a workout, like a CrossFit or something, and we're hanging out, and he kind of giggles, and he says, uh, nice song. And I go, yeah, it's great, isn't it? And uh, as I start walking back to my car, I realized that the song in my car had changed. No longer was it playing Here I Go Again by White Snake. It was playing Baby by Justin Bieber. This was the song that Justin Bieber sang when he was 12, okay? And it's just blasting from my car. And now the rugby guy's long gone, okay? He left thinking that I'm windows down, hair blowing in the wind to Baby by Bieber. I'm telling a story by the music I listen to. I'm telling a story by the way I raise my kids. I'm telling a story by keeping my wife as the number one person in my life. I'm telling a story with my words and my life. And so are you. It's the best evangelism. This year, could your life match your words? Now, one way to make this real, okay, is to be an intentional encourager. Encouragement is a dominant theme in the epistles in the New Testament. Paul is obsessed with building up local churches and he realized that there was only so much he could do. So part of his strategy was to transfer his concern to others. And we can see this in Colossians chapter two. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Colossians 4, I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, therefore encourage one another with these words. Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I, I wish these writers knew what they were trying to say and just said it. I think they might be saying that 2023 could be the year of encouragement, using our words the way Jesus designed us to, to be an intentional encourager. Write that letter, send that text, make that call, have that coffee, say you're sorry. It takes effort, okay? Now, I try to be like this, mostly because God has used so many people to encourage me in my life, I'll be down, I'll be sad, I'll have all kinds of feelings that just don't lift me up. And then someone says something, someone sends a text, and it was as if God whispered to them what to say and when to say it. Could you be that for someone this year? Let's be intentional encouragers. I don't know if you've ever done the five love languages test, okay? We had a couple small group at our house this fall and we all kind of looked back at the five love languages. And for me, words of affirmation scores very, very high, okay? Encouragement goes a long way for me. Uh, 
and for Sarah and I, like I'll kind of do something around the house. And I don't do it only for the encouragement, but I do really love the encouragement. So I'll carry things that are too heavy for her and I'll grunt a little extra, okay? I'll wipe, I'll, just, I'll wipe the sweat off my brow. And it's like, notice me, praise me. I'm waiting for a thank you or, oh, my man's very strong, okay? Everybody loves to receive encouragement, but we often struggle to send it. We've all watched infants who were on the verge of crawling or taking their first step, okay? It's a sight to see. When our daughter Ivy started crawling, at first she would kind of get on all fours, and then she would kind of, kind of swing her arms, and then just didn't move, okay? And then Sarah and I would like kind of encourage her and be like, you can do it, sis, come on, come on, look at you, big girl, come here, sis, come on. And after a couple days of kind of doing the arm kind of shake thing, Sarah put one of Dex's monster trucks a, a few feet away from Ivy, and that was all it took. She crawled right over to that monster truck and got it. And we were, we were thrilled, right? Uh, we cheered for her. We showed her off like she was a dog. We're in the grocery store. Stranger says, what a cute baby. I pull out the monster truck and I go, would you like to see her crawl? Okay, she knows how to crawl. Uh, now, it was the encouragement of her parents and her brother's monster truck that propelled our daughter to a life of motion. We all live in a world of daily challenges where we have a difficult time venturing beyond where we've been before. And we need the good words of others to help us keep going. Everyone needs encouragement. You, me, your neighbor, your enemy, your boss. Why is it that in a race, the people cheering makes a difference. Like whenever they interview a runner who wins a race and they say, what, what helped you? And they'll say, well, when I saw the crowd or I heard the cheering, it kept me going. It gave me my second win. When your physical body is pushed beyond the brink and you literally have nothing left in the tank and you see someone in the crowd you read that sign, you see your friend or your coach spurring you on. Why does that give you something that you didn't have before? Could 2023 be the year of intentional encouragement? That we don't use our words to deceive. We use our lives to encourage and our words to inspire. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you help our words to reflect our heart and that our heart to reflect your heart. We need you. We give you this year, Jesus. We pray blessings, peace, and grace, and love on 2023 and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church Fresno. Uh, next week, we are back in person as we begin a brand new sermon series called Start Fresh. And we encourage you to be there. We encourage you to be there and maybe bring someone with you. Bless you, bless 2023, and peace in Ukraine.